Welcome to the Fearless Fostering Podcast. I'm your host, Kathleen Burst, LCSW, a foster and adoptive and bio mama and a therapist in private practice. I'm here to help foster mamas feel seen, heard, and supported on their journey. From quick, actionable steps to make your foster care journey easier to interviews with foster and adoptive mamas, the Fearless Fostering Podcast delivers education and encouragement weekly. So let's get started. Welcome back to the Fearless Fostering Podcast. I am your host, Kathleen Burst, LCSW, and today I'm excited to be chatting with Talia Ray. She is a bio foster and adoptive sister, um, and she's going to share just her experience with us today. So thank you for being here. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. So Talia Ray, tell me a little bit about your experience and your family with foster care in general. Yeah, so we started fostering when I was at six or almost six. Um, and I had two younger biological siblings at the time and they were four and two. So we started by fostering just kids who were younger than um, my youngest brother and just kind of stuck with babies for a while. And then um, as we got older, we started fostering kids who were a little bit older, kind of got up to into that like early kindergarten age. And then um, we ended up in 2018, um, we adopted my youngest two siblings out of foster care, and they are six and four now. So there's five permanent kids now in our family, and I'm the oldest. And then I also have one uh, teenage foster brother, um, and he is 17. So yeah, after we finalized my siblings' adoption, we decided to start fostering teens and older kids because there was a significant need for homes for that age group. And so we've been doing that for about three years now. Wow. Okay. So you have a lot of experience, obviously, with kids coming in and and going out and then being adopted. So what was it like for you in the beginning when you were like six years old and mom and dad were like, yo, we're going to, we're going to foster some kids. What were, what were your thoughts? Do you remember? I don't really remember exactly like how I felt as we were starting, but like, um, I've always been excited to welcome more kids into our home. And it just always feels super exciting to like, um, have another little sibling for however long that is. I feel like that was kind of most of it. And just, it was mostly babies. So, and I love babies. So that was kind of like, like exciting for me as a six-year-old to have another baby. Cause I didn't really necessarily remember when my brother was a baby. Mm-hmm. Okay. And just for everyone to know, how old are you now? I'm 18. 18. So we got that six-year-old things started happening in foster care in your family, and now you're 18. So well-versed in all things foster care and adoption. Can you tell us any like difficult time that you recall of like, gosh, this was really hard for me personally as a sister or daughter in this house? Oh my goodness. Yes. There's as many good things as there are. There's so many things that are really hard. So our intention has always been to foster, to reunify like our goal is to um, reunify the kids with their parents because that is the goal of foster care but there's always been times where kids cases have seemed like they're going to be adoption Um, so we've had I think four cases where kids that we cared for were they were on the path to be adopted and um, each time we had put our names forward and just about every one of those times the agency had basically said like yes that's our plan Um, we plan to keep them with you guys and each time there was biological family members that stepped up or um, in one case another adoptive family was chosen so those were definitely really hard when like you kind of start to prepare yourself for 
having another, like this sibling that's lived with you for so long to stay with you forever. And then suddenly it's, it's not, and it just kind of is taken away so quickly and there's no warning and there's not really a way to explain how to feel that, like how you feel that way. And yeah, that's kind of the biggest things. Yeah. I think that is so hard. Just that I hear that a lot from people that if we obviously know the goal of foster care is reunification as foster parents, we support that we're proponents of it, but when you get that, okay, there is no one for this child. Could you be that adoptive placement? Your mind does shift to that forever Mm -hmm. family thinking. And it's a, you know, you know, obviously it's as much as it's sad and starts with heartbreak. It is a happy thing to think about the sibling being with you forever, this person that you've grown to love. Mm -hmm. So how did you deal with that on those four occasions? How did you handle that grief? Yeah, it's a little bit different with every case. With the first one, the first one happened when I was about, it was right at the beginning of her fostering journey. So I don't really remember it because it was so long ago. But um, with the other ones, I was sort of in my early teenage years. And yeah, I think it really comes down to the way um, we really made sure we talked about this stuff as a family. My parents always checked in with us as these changes were happening. And after the fact that they went home, and we still talk about these kids all the time. And I like find myself thinking of them just like, I'll like, we'll have an experience with like one of my younger siblings now. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I remember when so-and-so did that as well. And it's just like these like moments where you can like remember them. And it's just over time, it becomes more of a happy way of remembering. But there was definitely a lot of conversations and a lot of tears shed. And we just, it was really important to have the support from my parents and my siblings as we went through these things. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so, so good to hear you say that. Um, such a good reminder that, you know, as parents, you know, we, we always want to protect our bio kids and every kid in our home. But I think one of the main concerns, and I'm sure you've heard this too, from foster parents or prospective foster parents is like, how do we kind of save our bio kids or the adopted kids in our home from these heartbreaks and heartaches? And I think my experience is there's no saving anyone from the heartbreak and heartache, but how then do you feel like, I guess, what advice would you give to bio parents who are like, okay, we have to now deal with this grief together as a family. What are some ways that you think are good ways to handle that with kids? Yeah. So I think it always comes down to kind of the age of the child and how much they're going to understand. Um, Like I know that as a six-year-old, I didn't necessarily realize that this child was going to be potentially in our home forever until a couple years later when it was brought up in a conversation. And it was always just that my parents would kind of, as we were old enough, keep us in the loop of what was happening and make sure that we um, kind of knew to an extent, of course, like we didn't know everything because that was, it's not what we need to know as a 12, 13, 14-year-old, but just that they kept us like knowing what the plan was, where our kids were going to be going. And yeah, I think that's just super important is um, keeping your kids informed and just making sure that you're checking in with them. And I don't think you can, you can prolong this exposure to heartache and loss, but it's going to come up eventually. And it's just for some people that happens a little bit sooner and um, maybe in different capacities than what we expected at first. Yeah, that is a great reminder that like, we're in no way are we able to the side of heaven, like keep our kids protected Mm -hmm. from heartache and heartbreak. And so really, yeah, not a great reason to not want to foster if people are giving that as their reason, just because you're right, they encounter it at some point along the way. So that's a really great reminder. 
Hey, Foster Mama. I just wanted to make sure you heard about Fearless Fostering, my deeply connected group coaching program for Foster Mamas. Fearless Fostering is reopening for enrollment in January. The program includes a luxury retreat, a curated community of foster mom friends, and ongoing coaching with me. Applications are open now for everyone on the waitlist, and there are only 10 spots available for this round of the program. You can join the waitlist today at fearlessfostering.com. So now you said that your parents now are fostering older kids and you have a 17 year old brother. So super close in age to you. (laughs) How long has he been with your fam? He actually moved in the day Ontario shut down for COVID. So it was the middle of March of 2020. So we kind of started off on this like placement start right at the beginning as the world was kind of changing and it's been a year and a half, almost two years. Okay. And is it looking like it's going towards like adoption for him too, or not sure yet? We don't really know. It's likely he'll be with us for a while. Um, But yeah, it's as with everything in foster care, it's sort of unknown at this point. Exactly. That is the truth. So what was it like for you to have someone come in so close to eight to your age? So he's actually our third teenage um, placement that we've had. And first we had a sibling set of three and the oldest was 14, almost 15. And it was right when I turned um, 16. So basically the same age as my foster brother now. And then we had the same thing again. We had another girl um, who just actually reunified um, who was the same age as my foster brother. So we've, I've had three, all three of my teenage foster siblings have been a year younger than me and a year older than my biological sister. So right in the middle. And it's definitely something to get used to because there's, I guess with foster care and like kids who are in our care through fostering, they're going to have different expectations and stuff from my parents. Um, that's different from what may be expected of myself and um, my biological sister who haven't been through these experiences. So that was a really big thing for me is like recognizing that and remembering that my parents are, do know what is <laughs> best and um, are able to make those accommodations for each of us as needed. And just kind of the biggest thing has been like seeing that and coming to terms with that and knowing it's okay that my teenage foster siblings who are so close in my age may be treated differently than I am. Obviously not in a like not okay way, but in a way that is recognizing the histories we have and Hmm. our experiences. I love that. That's so important. And I'm so glad to hear you as like the child in the home, understanding that, because I think that's another thing too, that kind of worries parents sometimes is like, well, the rules might be different for this child, but will my, you know, biological or already adopted child understand why that is. And so I guess even if right in the moment you don't eventually, you know, you, you're like, you come to terms with it. Yeah, for sure. And it doesn't make it easier as it still happens, but it's, it is helpful to know, like be able to, after the situation, look back and be like, okay, it was this again. Like, I know that. (laughs) Yes. Good. Okay. Now I have a question because I have two biological sons that it's kind of a similar story. When we started fostering, my younger of the two was six. He just was in kindergarten and the other was nine. So what would you say to like bio siblings or, you know, who are parents are going to do foster care, even if they're younger, maybe they're older. What would you say to them as a good thing to remember as a sibling on this foster care journey? I think just kind of like to remember that as hard as some days may feel, it's always going to be worth it. And there's always, always going to be days that are going to feel really hard and days you maybe feel like you want to quit. I know I've had those, but that in the end, you can always look back and see just 
um, how much good there was in the situation and just recognizing that you were able to be a part of this child's life for however long and just how special and unique that is. Mm. That's such a beautiful reminder. Absolutely. And I really encourage everyone to kind of really just be a rest in that, that like, you know, even as, as foster parents and whoever else is in our homes, it's an adjustment. It's a huge adjustment. It's an ongoing adjustment, but it's one that is always worth it. Like, I don't think people look back ever from foster care and they're like, I wish we wouldn't have ever done that. You know, like even if you only mm-hmm. have one placement or whatever, it yeah. always is worth it for the time that you can be a safe place um, for that child. Yeah. That's so good. Okay. Now we talked about some of the hard stuff, but can you share just some really joyful things that have happened for you in particular um, as your family has gone through this foster care process? Yeah. So I feel like A big thing is just like being a part of these kids' lives and just having another sibling. Like that's super, super special. And there's so many rewarding things and so much growth I've seen in both my foster siblings and in myself. And just being able to recognize that and see how how much good has happened and just be able to remind yourself of that on those harder days. I know there's there's always days that I just will randomly look back at and just think about a memory I have like maybe like playing instruments with a sibling or going swimming or going for a walk. Like they're totally random, just like everyday activities, um, but they stick with you a little bit differently. And they're just super special to remember and look back on and have those things. Mm, That is so good. Awesome. Okay. I have a question about your friends. Like what do your friends and peers say about your family? Like, do they ask you a lot of questions? Do they understand it? Yeah, so people who aren't involved with foster care never really understand and always have so many questions to ask, um, which is part of why when I was younger, um, my parents didn't tell us as many things about, or hardly anything about my ki- my siblings' cases, um, because it's so much easier if a friend asks a question we can't answer for us to honestly be able to say, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, because there's always going to be those questions and this curiosity, because Um, It's just sometimes kids actually have no idea what it is. Now that I'm older, there's definitely still moments where friends ask questions and they're always very curious about it. But thankfully, they've always been very accepting of it um, and ready to embrace my siblings regardless of um, challenges they may have. But yeah, a super important thing I found in the past couple of years is um, when I started my Instagram account, I sort of geared it towards like foster siblings and um, like finding a community. And I have found so many other foster sisters around my age who have been through the same experiences as me. And it's just super special to be able to share those experiences and to like have someone who understands. Like that's been super important for me is to be able to talk to people who understand what I've been through and can sort of relate to me in a different way than my friends who haven't experienced foster care have. Oh yeah. I think that is so amazing. And as much as social media can stink sometimes, I think that's one of the great things it does is it connects yeah. us with people that have been through those similar, more rare experiences like foster care or being a foster sibling. And it, it really does make you feel so seen and heard and validated sometimes when it's on a different level than someone who has never really gone through it themselves. For sure. Yeah. That's really cool. I remember in my senior year of high school, there was a girl in my class who her family, like all of a sudden she came to school and there was a new girl in our school, a new girl in our grade. 
And it, so essentially they started fostering this girl who was our exact age and she was in our grade in school. So it was like this new girl came and then everyone's like, who's the new girl? Who's the new girl? And then they were like, oh, it's so-and-so's sister. And, but like, we knew that she didn't have a sister the same age for like the whole <laughs> yeah. time. So it was so, it was so confusing for me as a high school student to see like, wait, what? Like, I'm so confused. And then someone eventually was like, oh, I think she's her foster sister or something like that. And I just remember, like, I wish I could go back and like do things differently. Cause I remember being like, wait, what? Like, that's, you know what I mean? I thought it was weird. And now all of a sudden, hello, look at me now. (laughs) But like, do you ever run into that where people are like, like, is that your real sibling or like, or do they call your siblings things that you wish they wouldn't? Yes. Oh my goodness. Yes. All the time. And like, this is something I talk about a lot on my social media account because it's such an important topic. And I think that using the term real siblings is really common and it's just, it can be very hurtful for the people involved who are either being like for my adoptive siblings, I wouldn't want them to hear someone refer to my biological siblings as like, are those people, are those two your real siblings or are those two? And because like they all are my real siblings, regardless of if they're adopted or foster or biological. And um, I just, I try to talk about that as much as I can, or like if friends, I've had friends ask me which kids are my real siblings. And it's like, every time I stop and I'm like, no, 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 like, please, if you feel the need to specify, and I always say this, if you feel the need to specify biological foster or adopted, then use those terms. But really we don't like, those terms don't matter to us. They're all my real siblings. And if I tell you they're my siblings, they are, and that's okay. Right. Like, yeah, it's this very commonly used term that can be so hurtful and people don't really truly understand that a lot of the time. Yeah. That is like the mic drop answer. I love the way that you just said that. That is literal perfection. And I'm going (laughs) to like share that with my, my sons as well, because you're right. Like, it's like, we don't, first of all, we don't ever say real, like in reference to our people in our family. And secondly, like, here's the correct terminology. And if you need to know, or if you want to like specify, say it this way. So Mm -hmm. that's great. And I think that's so, it's such a nice way to say it, but it's also like, I'm not going to just let you continue on with (laughs) not being educated in this area. Yeah. Oh, so good. Well, Talia Ray, I really appreciate you taking the time. Um, I'm so thankful that our paths crossed on Instagram and I would love for people to be able to follow along with your journey online. So where can people find you? Um, yeah, so I actually have two accounts. So I have, um, my first one is sister to many and it's sister dot to dot many. Um, and then um, that one I run on my own. And then my second one, I run with um, another foster sister. Her name's Emma. And so we kind of share from our perspective as a, as both being um, foster and adoptive siblings. Um, and that one is always enough love. And it's same thing, always dot enough dot love. Awesome. Oh my goodness. This is just such a great conversation. I know it's going to be such an encouragement to all the mamas who tune in. So I appreciate you taking the time. Yes. Thank you so much.